I really struggled with self-confidence when I was just starting out before I mm-hmm. published anything. And I came to the conclusion that, look, my story might not be particularly good, but I am literally the only one who will write it. So, mm. you know, what gave me the confidence to keep going and start publishing was I've got a story rattling around in my head. And if I'm not the one that puts the words on the page, there will be nobody else in the world who will do it for me. Yeah. If I don't do this, nobody else will. This is the Crit RPG Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal road. Hi, and welcome everyone to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast where the host gets up way too early to welcome people from the United States. With me today is Selkie Myth, author of Beneath the Dragon and Moons, and also head of Mango Media Publishing. Uh, who we will be talking, we will be talking about that a little bit later, but hi, Saki, how are you doing? Hey, pretty good. How are you doing? Doing fine, thank you, as we have established. So we've been talking for about like eh, 10, 12 minutes, but um, that's in the bonus material, wink, wink, again. But I thought we might just actually get into it because I have so many questions about Beneath the Dragon Eye Moons that I kind of just want to, want to kind of um, rattle off um, and I, I guess, I guess we'll just start with the with the most obvious one. Why did you write that book, and how, and when, and what's the story about that? So uh, I initially, you know, like many people, I had the thought in my head, rattling around, one day I should write a book. All right, and you know, I sort of had the idea rattling around in my head, and uh, you know, after I discovered web novels, and mm-hmm. what happened was in twenty. 15, 2016 or so, 2016, solo leveling came out. And mm-hmm. like many others, you know, I read it and I was enthralled by the story. And, you know, I was big on reading mangas, I was big on reading manhwas, the whole thing. And solo leveling just captured my attention in a way other things didn't. And I was so engrossed. I was like, I heard that there's this thing called a light novel that is based off of. Let me go find it. And, you know, I managed to, with a bunch of Googling, eventually find the light novel and read the bad translation of it. And I ended up, you know, going down that whole rabbit hole. And for a while, I was thinking, there's got to be an English version of this somewhere. And I kept searching for English versions of, you know, web novels, and I kept not finding anything. Mm. Uh, And eventually, of all things, I managed to stumble upon a practical guide to evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, binge all that. I was like, yes, okay, there's definitely English stuff going on. And finally, I hear the word Royal Road. Mm-hmm. And I go to Royal Road, and you know, this is way, 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 way long time ago. 2018, I want to say, I mm-hmm. finally find it. So, you know, most of the stories that are even, you know, considered the big stories did not even exist on Royal Road then. Mm-hmm. And I like, read everything that I could there. And as I said, this was sort of the early days and I eventually ran out of good stories because there's only so many stories that are, you know, of high quality and Royal Road that keep going. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I read a bunch of old hiatus stuff, uh, Arcane Emperor, uh, Flow, you know, some, some really, really old names that, you know, most of the people listening to the podcast probably are like, what on earth are those? They're still in Royal Road. They're hiatus. There's a lot of chapters. You know, you might want to check them out if you want to, you know, get a get your heart blast broken. from the past. Anyway, I ran out of books in 2020 mm. during the pandemic, uh, <laughs> right around the same time I got laid off from my job. Did you work and, in tourism as well? Sorry, what? Did you work in tourism as well? I worked for CVS. Ooh, okay. So there is, mm. I don't want to go too in depth as to what yeah, was okay. going on there because I was literally the one making the report. So I had a much deeper analysis into what was going on mm-hmm. than a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say that they got absolutely slammed by COVID. Surprise, surprise the biggest pharmacy has some trouble with the healthcare system. Um, And 
some higher up flexibility did not quite meet new reality in time. I got laid off. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, my particular niche and my location did not mesh particularly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a kid on the way, knew we were moving soon. And so, you know, we'd always planned that my wife was primary. And when the kid was born, I'd be, you know, sort of the, the stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, you know what? There's COVID. Nobody's hiring. Uh, you know, anything I get, I'm going to just, you know, move soon. Why don't I try my hand at writing a book? Because you know what? There's no good books right now. You know, there's, yeah. there's not, I can do better than this. Um, and I reassured myself that, you know, whatever I wrote was better than machine translation. And I knew that there were way too many people reading machine translation stories. So I sat down and I started to plot. Mm-hmm. I didn't start writing immediately. I started to think about the story I wanted. I studied every other story that was out there at the time. You know, I was reading stuff like The Legend of Randidley Ghost Hound to see like, okay, this is clearly very popular. Why is it popular? What is it about it that mm-hmm. people like? You know, I, I don't really quite see it, but clearly people do, you know, and so I, I dutifully wrote down all the things I thought they were doing well. I studied Meta World Chronicles. Oh, man. So, yeah. That's um, a name. And, you know, studied what they were doing well. What, what are they doing well? What do people like about this? What is making it successful? Mm-hmm. Uh, I said a bunch of stories. My favorite one, though, was Azeroth Healer. Mm-hmm. And my conceit was started with the question of, what if Ilya from Azeroth Healer actually healed people? Because, you know, you, you get this the title Azeroth Healer and you think, oh, great, that's a story about it. And it is not a story about a healer. It's about a person oh. punching people. Like, My question was, what if uh, Ilya actually healed people? Yeah. Again, I, you know, I had a couple more thoughts enter my head, which sort of, you know, uh, were the main ingredients of the story. Another thought I had is, why is everything a medieval period with, you know, castles and princesses, why don't we ever see classical Rome, classical period story? Cool. So, okay, you know what? There's a lot of really cool thematic elements to that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's throw that element in. The next one was I was a little frustrated by monsters. You know, people are always making up their own creatures. Dinosaurs existed. There's a million really freaking cool dinosaurs out there and other classical fantasy creatures. Mm-hmm. Why make up a story when you can give a pterodactyl fire breathing and lightning powers and, you know, have a pretty cool monster there all while it being able to evoke, you know, the image in someone's mind with a single word, mm-hmm. you know, uh, take a broad view of, you know, fantasy creatures. I said, I'm not limiting myself to one culture. I'm not limiting myself to one part of the world. I'm mm-hmm. going to grab fantasy creatures from all around the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Makes in sense. my initial arc, I made sure to include wind weasels, because I cannot pronounce the proper names, uh, from Japan, golden crows mm-hmm. from Southeast Asia, uh, selkies from Celtic mythology, a uh, couple others here and there. I need to double check what I actually wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. But basically, it was sort of an indicator that, look, I'm beep, 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 beep. there are things from all over the world here. Mm-hmm. Um because there's just such variety in the world that exists already. I don't need to make anything up, you know, mm-hmm. make a badger with void claws and, you know, the ability to swim through water and you uh, swim through a rock like it's water and you, you got something pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. those were sort of the, the main ingredients. In the, world. the last one was stories are always set really far down in history. And I was like, why? stories set far in history why are there never stories at the beginning of history mm-hmm. so instead of writing about you know there was this ancient empire a long time ago those were bad. I was like, mm-hmm. i'm going to write the ancient empire mm-hmm. granted i discovered pretty quickly why people write things you know further down the line oops you know that caused a bit of a kerfuffle we'll say um well, why was that those were sort of the main ingredients that i started with and then I spent time designing the system. And I said, okay, what are, and this goes back to the research I did. So you want Why to... was that the problem? That the ancient There's empire There's no thing? history. Um, mm-hmm. You cannot, you know, 
there's the famous quote, you know, standing on the shoulder of giants. Yeah. But there are no giants to stand on. You can't mm. justify, you know, anything beyond, you know, sort of primitive society is hard to justify. There's mm. no ancient ruins to explore. There's no old mm. history. Uh, with lit RPGs in particular, there's sort of a leveling pyramid. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, everyone's sort of pretty low down on that pyramid. It's going to take a lot mm. of time to build up in a way that, you know, gives the main character the ability to progress meaningfully. Mm. Um, there are no ancient ruins to explore. There are no, you know, secret horrors locked away. This is the mm. era of, you know, the secret horrors, some are going to come into their own. Um, you, there are no, you know, ancient established things. Mm-hmm. You're always at the starting point of things. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I realized you, you can tell great stories there, but mm-hmm. for the epic of the size I wanted, I hadn't properly considered how the mid and late game works and that it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Um, uh, I, so. I, I want to hear about your system. Um, but I, I, one thing I find super fascinating, for example, is that um, under Cleopatra, the Egyptians did archaeology because they wanted to find out who built the pyramids, right? Which, which is like completely mind-blowing because like some of the pyramids were like way older than Cleopatra, like 2,000 years older than that. So, yeah, so but yeah. Cle- Cleopatra is closer to the invention of cell phone than the building of most pyramids. Yeah, exactly. It's super crazy. Yes. Um, but even then, you know, when, when I've only gotten a 5,000 mm. year timeline in total, less time mm. than Egypt existed. Yeah. And I also need to justify people moving out of the stone, moving into the stone age, <laughs> yeah. out of the stone age. Nice. Like all of a sudden it gets real hard to, you know, hang out a proper history. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, you were saying your system then, because like, I don't, I, I would love to talk about this for for a long time, but I also want to talk about the system. Yes, system. So that was the other thing I studied, like heck, and that was why I was reading a lot of stories that I didn't really like, because I mm-hmm. wanted to study what beats work really well and what beats just do not work at all. Mm-hmm. And remember as well, this is the super super early days of lit RPGs, where people have just sort of gotten the idea and have just sort of started writing it. So some more uh, well-known current ideas were, you know, just being thought of for the first time. Uh, And one of the things I saw was that everyone had unlimited skills and they just did not work Um, because skill sheets just got absurd. You know, Mm. one famous story had a 14,000 word skill sheet or something. Uh, (laughs) They just kept tagging on skills. And it's like, how can you track that? Everyone's, you know, got everything. Mm. Uh, you know, this doesn't work. You know, you have to have limited skill slots. Um, everyone mm. had limited classes, which is, you know, thank goodness. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there was that. Um, titles were another big one where nobody seemed to really have a good idea of how they were. I'd really gamed them out all the way properly. Mm-hmm. So that was something else where I said, okay, look, titles, uh, they'd be real fun, but how do you justify what isn't, isn't a title? How do you justify how many you can get? How do you justify people not munchkinning them? How do you, uh, there were just too many questions and problems with them. You know, if you say you can only obtain a limited number of titles in your lifetime and the end becomes, okay, what, what justifies a title? existing and not exist you know mm-hmm. it just there were too many problems with it so i mixed titles entirely um there yeah. was reading, there was figuring out my and i always knew i wanted elemental magic and mm-hmm. you know i sort of came in with the question i was doing both stats and elements at the same time mm-hmm. and they actually ended up tying together very nicely and i'll explain how that happened um I wrote down every single stat I had ever seen from any story, regardless of how much I liked it or not. And, you know, big, long list of absolutely everything that ever existed. Mm-hmm. And for all of them, I said, do I want this? Do I axe it? Or is it merged with something else? Mm-hmm. And so I ended it up with a big, long list. And the first things to go were the mental stats, oh, no. intelligence, wisdom, um, the ones that made no sense, luck. 
you know, those went straight out the window because you can't write intelligence and wisdom very well. However, intelligence and wisdoms were often used as placeholders for magic stats. And I said, mm -hmm. look, why are we using int and wisdom when we're not actually making people smarter or wise mm -hmm. when it's just about the magic stats? Let's just make it the magic stats directly. So mm -hmm. I made it into um, magic power, magic mm -hmm. control, mana, mana regeneration. I was like, okay, great. This is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this works. This describes exactly what it is. So Another frustration I'd had with intwist and, you know, strength, speed, dexterity, what have you, is there's, you know, four physical stats and two magical stats. And a wizard was always going to be stronger than a warrior. Because mm. they didn't have as many places to stick their stats in, so they could make their stats much higher. And it's like, this is not to the poor warriors, you know. I never wanted my system to be balanced because I'm mm. writing a world, not a video game. I don't need balance. Mm. But I don't want it to be blatantly, obviously unfair either. So I had to, you know, make sure that there was some modicum of fairness in there. Then we loop around to elements. I knew I wanted elemental magic, but then the question was, okay, uh, if people have elements, if elements are available to them, how are they available to them? Mm -hmm. What makes someone, you know, attached to lava or fire or water or what have you? And I said, oh, let's, without being able to have everything again, because again, you know, this was big in the system where, you know, characters were doing absolutely everything under the sun. And it's mm -hmm. sort of eye rolling to read about, you know, the endlessly growing skill lists and, you know, the endless, I can do every sort of magic. Uh, so I said, okay, let's assign elements to classes. Let's tie them together. A mm -hmm. blacksmith can be a fire blacksmith or a metal blacksmith, but they're not going to be fire and metal. Mm -hmm. You know, they pick one and they go with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I did the same thing for, you know, so it's like, okay. I'm tying elements to classes. So, you know, an ice mage is very, you know, easy to do. They, they've got all the ice spells, but they can't branch out into water easily because their element isn't water. Their element is ice. Of course, I could take another class for it. And of course, you know, there's, there's some more stuff going on there. But, you know, I tied the elements to the, the set. And then I was sort of looking at, okay, what elements do I want? And I started off with, you know debating you know maybe i just want a few elements do i want four elements six elements you know do i want you know cool elements like lightning what have you okay i was doing this at the same time it i came up with the idea of opposing pairs of elements at the baseline mm -hmm. to start with oh, fire yeah. and water opposing pair uh, wind and earth, light and dark. Okay, okay, I'm getting somewhere. I was running on my stats. And then I had the idea that the brainwave of tie stats to elements. Mm -hmm. Because my stats were also in, in, in uh, opposite pairs. Mana mm -hmm. and mana regeneration. Strength and dexterity. Speed and vitality. And then I just sort of had the brainwave of eight basic elements. Mm -hmm. Eight stats. Tie each stat hair to an elemental hair, but da 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 and all of a sudden I had my basics in. Um, and then uh, I really, really wanted lightning to be an element, mm -hmm. so I came up with the idea of tier two elements, which was you know every combination of the tier one elements together. Spent you know a bunch of time working out what each one was. Somewhere real difficult. Um, Water plus wood, for example, famously gave me a lot of trouble. Um, and so would, you, would you get rot? Coral is what I initially had. Hmm. Uh, and then I put, I built in myself a, a safety valve into the system with a genie that could grant hmm. wishes, uh, which was really just sort of my way of including a way to edit the system if I needed to. <laughs> uh -huh. Given the, the planned out timeline, and eventually I switched it to Sylvan, uh, which was basically my fancy way of saying this is the element around magical woods, iron woods, mm. spring wood, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. cool. Woods with, you know, unusual magical properties. And okay, this element now covers that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, which it was actually pretty nice because 
the water wood pairs opposite to the fire metal pair, which was crucible, which covers the magic metals. So mm. there was a, a nice sort of symmetry going on there. Mm, cool. Um, nice. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the elemental system, and the idea of the system as well is. I wrote down hard rules on what is not permitted by the system, what everything costs in the system. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, okay, you can do basically any magic from any book. The question is, is what is the cost? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some things under the rules cost a lot more than others. Uh, blinking, for example, is famously expensive, but that's because that follows the rules I set down. Instantly repositioning yourself is an extremely powerful ability and so it costs a lot of mana Mm -hmm. um and you know there's there's basically a lot of math around how much you can do with how much mana and so you end up with you know you you don't get low level characters doing big flashy things Mm -hmm. but you do get a pretty consistent scaling going on throughout the story and it also lets you know someone say well, can you do X, Y, and Z? And the answer is yes, uh, but it would cost like this or like that, or you need this other thing, or yeah, you can, but it's so stupid expensive, you know. doesn't really make sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's yeah. not a lot of sense to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, that gave me the, the the flexibility to build anything I could imagine, which is nice. Um, the only issue is, is I sort of have the rule that everyone's a munchkin where everyone tries to exploit their class to, you know, the fullest extent. Obviously. Fortunately, physics dictates that some things are a lot more efficient than others, Mm -hmm. which leads to certain class and element combinations being more favored than others because they're simply much more efficient at doing things than, you know, uh, related classes are. Mm. Uh, It's... I'm kind of wondering, like, if, if we have a society like this, right, where everyone has access to powers and so on and so forth, um, what about, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't quite remember. Does everyone have access to powers? Yes, everyone has access to the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has access to classes and skills. You know, there's, uh, I've tried to build the society in a way that's flexible for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that recognizes that different people are at different power levels and also recognizes, hey, you know, we need to have breaks on this. We need to, you know, mm. have control. But at the same time, it's just so innately part of everyone's lives that, you know, it would be surprising mm. if that wasn't the case. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so the other nice thing is, is it's difficult to get to the, you know, city shattering power levels. Mm. Yeah. Uh, quickly or easily and there's also the train of thought that anyone with uh shall we say enough screws loose to do that sort of thing are going to start doing that sort of thing at the lower levels as well Mm. and basically get caught and dealt with before Mm. they get to the shattered city levels of power my Exactly. So my, my kind of question is like you were saying like everyone's a munchkin. I mean, obviously it's 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 for the for the main party, right? I always wonder what happens to all those people who just you know like who want to do something that the powers don't help them with. You know, like what about the writers, the poets, and all the kind of stuff? Um, so I mean, yeah. Well, that's part of the thing with the system mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. it will help you with anything. Um, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you can get. A writer class, you can get writing skills. You can get skills that mm. help you read faster. You get skills that help you write faster. You know, you could have a skill that helps you spot, you know, typos. You know, mm. in in the words you've written, you can have a skill that would, you know, let you unwrite a few words to, you know, be like, whoops, I actually yeah. didn't, I actually meant this. Uh, you could get a skill to rearrange words, or you know, make it easier to edit. So you know. You're not mm. scratching with quill all the time. You could be like, okay, let me let me twist my hand and, and rearrange stuff. Mm. Uh, and similarly, since there's, you know, abilities to rearrange words on the paper like that, mm. there's also offensive applications to that where, you know, if you get into someone else's ledgers, you can rearrange their ledgers mm. a little yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, screw with them in that way. Um, cool. But, you um, know, there are ways to help the poets, but critically... Mm. I try not to give information to people with skills. I mm. always try to have it be, it helps you improve what you already have. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you read a thesaurus once, it'll, you know, it'll help you basically immediately refer to it and, you know, help provide the word that, you know, the thesaurus would provide if you're, mm. you know, thinking what's another word for this. Mm. But if you've never read this but thesaurus, it'll never help you make that connection or, you know, if you don't oh, know yeah. the word, it'll never help you connect that word together. But yeah, there's absolutely skills for the writers, for the poets, for the painters, for, you know, the artists just... in the world. I just kind of, kind of like the 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 thing that I wondered about was what would happen to. I mean, okay, so everyone everyone can kind of like take the pick at skills. I'm just wondering if there are people, you know, if 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 people would exist in a society like that that actually are like, hey, I don't want to participate in this rat race. I mean, there have to be, right? So, so like you, you kind of have to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if I am, let's, let's go with the classic blacksmith. If I'm a mm-hmm. blacksmith hiring apprentices, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm looking for someone with the apprentice class or mm-hmm. a related one. There's, there's a lot of variants, you know, mm-hmm. and classes are extremely flexible. It could be a learner. It could be a beginner. It could be an apprentice. It could be a, mm-hmm. you know, student. It could be, I'm mm-hmm. looking for a lot of people like that. And, you know, I'm looking for them to, you know, train them up and raise their skills. And, you know, if someone just says, I'm staying at level eight, you know, I'm not, you know, planning on classing up, mm. I'm going to skip over them in favor of the person who is, who does have the ability to learn yeah. quicker and more and actually has skills to help them out. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, go with someone who doesn't have anything. Similarly, mm. if I'm looking to commission, you know, a hoe for my farm, I'm not going to the level eight, you know, sitting outside the forge saying I can do it. I'm going to the level, you know, under blacksmith you know, next door being like, you know, hey, I can do this in a day as mm. opposed to the other guy who's like, I can do this in a week. Like, mm. there's just such yeah. an, an innate advantage given that, you know, there's no reason to not participate. Now, mm. be, that being said, I thought about the question of what happens when you grab a class that you realize is wrong for you Mm-hmm. or you are forced to take a class that you didn't like. And so I came up with the idea of being able to reset and revert. So mm-hmm. if you a class up mark, you can say, oops, let me go back to the beginning and try this again, or oh, cool. let me revert to what my class was at a lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that because it makes the system more egalitarian, um, right? Because like... I always, I always try to like think about the people who um, who kind of got shafted over by stuff. Mm-hmm. We could go down that rabbit hole for a long time. I will say there, there's some interesting aspects where if you realize the class is wrong for you shortly mm-hmm. after taking it, you still mm-hmm. have to go the entire distance to the next class up before yeah. you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want people able to reset willy nilly, so I made it so you have to get to a class up, but. There's a particularly long stretch between class ups where if you screwed up in that segment, you're a little screwed. But mm. at the same time, you know, it, it did make it so that the, the safety vault isn't too abusable because, mm. you know, uh, I, I went because everyone's a munchkin. I was like, OK, how do you munchkin this? And I realized mm. if you're an immortal, mm. you can rotate through the classes in a way to keep improving their quality again and again and again until you finally get to the highest quality and then try to shoot up from there. So there's, there's, there's abuse in the reset mechanism as well, Mm -hmm. which makes the whole thing just a little more interesting because, you know, I try to think through all the implications of, you know, what does this mean? Who abuses it? How do they abuse it? Uh, Ah, so many questions because you mentioned all about like, Hey, plotting and kind of you know planning stuff are you a plotter or a pantser so i started off more pantser where you know i just put the elements in and said go but i always Mm -hmm. had an idea of what i was doing and what i wanted the Mm -hmm. plot to be so you know as i've done more i've become a little more of a plotter where i write down an outline which lets me more easily put in hooks for the future and you Mm -hmm. know more easily uh, lay out what's going to be happening next and later mm-hmm. uh, because people really like seeing the foreshadowing and you know being able to foreshadow things mm-hmm. um, 
doesn't always work out. And occasionally, you know, I, I've gone into a system where I put an interlude where I, I've got the, the hooks for what's coming next. Occasionally, it doesn't work out too well. And it becomes a little awkward um, where I've explicitly set up this is going to happen. And then what's going to happen, you know, the characters decide to move around a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so I plot it out. But at the same time, if the characters don't want to cooperate with the plot, it doesn't happen. And I go with what the characters want. And I've had yeah. some, some big plot points just completely demolished as a result, <laughs> uh, which has been real unfortunate. But, you know, it's better to say true to the characters and the characterization than to try to force plot. Mm. Um, That's very true. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a mix where, you know, I've got an idea of what's going on. But, you know, it's also serial writing where I need to, you know, be writing those three chapters a week, if mm. not more. How long um, are your chapters usually? So it depends. Um, I've got, if it's not, un, unless it's a extreme circumstances, 2,000 words is my bare minimum. My mm -hmm. average is three and a half thousand words. Okay. Cool. Um, my longest chapter, as I said, was 8,000 words and change. Mm -hmm. um, I believe my stats, so my average chapter length is about 3,000 words. And it's after I've split up a couple of very large chapters into several smaller chunks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, probably yeah, four thousand words or so. Seems I mean that's super reasonable. Um, I've experimented with one thousand five hundred word chapters. It didn't really work because they just became a bit incohesive, even if they were like the same scene, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I yeah, totally totally agree with you. Two thousand is is a good minimum. I feel it's a good range. Um, that being said or in the same vein, I guess. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? So read a lot, write a lot is, mm -hmm. you know, the best advice I got. And, you know, mm -hmm. as I said, I studied the heck of what everyone else was doing and what made the successful story successful mm -hmm. before I started. Uh, it helped as well that I liked the popular stuff and I wanted to write something like that. Mm -hmm. If there's no market for what people want, to if you want if there's no market for it then people aren't going to read it mm -hmm. people like the popular stuff for a reason um mm -hmm. similarly you know whenever i got stuck you know the question what happens next has always managed to keep me going and writing mm -hmm. what happened next yeah um yeah so you know those two pieces of advice have sort of been you know the the bedrock of how i've written everything mm -hmm. um so and then, read a lot, you know, write a lot, and kind of keep writing to see what happens next? Well, uh, mm -hmm. ask yourself what happens next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on the confidence note, you know, I, I really struggled with self-confidence that, you know, when I was just starting out before I mm -hmm. published anything. And I came to the conclusion that, look, my story might not be particularly good, but I am literally the only one who will write it. Nobody else is going to write my story for me. Yeah. If I don't do this, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. So, mm. you know, that was sort of the, what gave me the confidence to keep going and, you know, start publishing was uh, I've got a story rattling around in my head. And if I'm not the one that puts the words on the page, there will be mm. nobody else in the world who will do it for me. Mm. Same. I think what I like to do is just write exactly, like I said, what I want to write. I'm the person that can do this and no one else really can because no one else has a screwed up brain like like you or I or any other author, right? And I think that's a very good point. And um, like many people, you actually started writing... Well, I think you actually had more success in mind than most people I talked to um, within like, hey, how does this work? How how What makes stories successful? And how can I kind of inc incorporate it into my own story? Where some people I, I met were just like, hey, I'm just bummed out. I just kind of want to write something that's fun as a hobby. And then it kind of took off. Um, is that a fair assessment? Oh, so I never thought I would take off. But mm -hmm. I laid the groundwork to, you know, succeed just in case. So, for example, one of the things I noticed is a lot of authors and stories died when they, when they went, hey, people really like this. I'm going to make the jump to Patreon. And now all of a sudden I need to triple my output in order yeah. to, you know, get a backlog on Patreon for people mm -hmm. to go to while maintaining my still output. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of authors and a lot of stories die on that step. Yeah. 
Uh, so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to set up my Patreon and get my backlog done ahead of time, mm-hmm. just in case, you know, so I've got something, you know, mm-hmm. ready, ready from the get-go. So I never have to struggle with that stuff. I set up a Discord ahead of time, you know, just people want to chat. I've heard, you know, a lot of people struggling with that step. Let me make sure I've got that step done and out of the way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, and a couple other similar things. Of, I don't think I'm going to succeed. Just in case, let me make it possible to succeed. Exactly. And you can also reap the fruits of that labor on a way smaller scale. Getting three or four people in a Discord and talking to them every day and they're nice and they like what you're writing is way enough, right? Because I always rail against this point because I've met so many people who approach writing as kind of like this lifeline of I hate my job, I don't want to do something else, and I need to write now, I need to make money doing this. And I think that way lies failure in dragons. Um, it's difficult to jump in expecting it to be successful mm-hmm. and expecting you know, a level of success. Uh, I will say as well that all of the, the you know, hyper-successful authors I've talked to have said the same thing. This is a job. Treat it like a job. Yeah. Sit down, spend the hours on it. Um, spend you know the time and the energy and the effort like you would any other job you don't have the motivation you've got writer's block well motivation starts a story discipline finishes the story um for me as well you know uh the the advice i give as well is you know remove your shame bone go out shamelessly self-promote you know, mm. my my personal key to success was I went to every single Discord, read the rules on all of them, mm. and everywhere I could self-promote my story, I shamelessly self-promoted my story. Mm. I became a mm. joke in some servers that, you know, the first of every month I would be in the Discord, you know, plugging plugging my story. You know, once a month, you know, I felt it was perfectly fine in trying to be otherwise. Mm. Um, also, a big thanks again to Azure Healer and its Discord where, you know, I started off plugging the story and a lot of people said, eh, this is pretty similar to Azure Healer. We really like this. Okay, let's, you know, do cool. that. So, you know, mm-hmm. managed to capture a, a good amount of attention there early on. And yeah, just self-promoted on Reddit, self-promoted on Discord, mm-hmm. self-promoted on Royal Roads. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, oh, you know, I don't know. It's sort of feels weird. It's like, yeah, but you got to do what you got to do. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you can try to be, you know, one of the, the, extremely rare success stories where you just let pure organic word of mouth do it for you or you can be one of the you know the so-so stories where the word of you know by making your own word of mouth you and you know, advertising shamelessly hmm. you get the initial momentum needed to get going is there something that you wish you could go back and change about your first the first part of the story or Anything else like that? So I did change the first parts of the story I wasn't too happy with. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, if I was a more experienced writer, I would have, you know, started off with several differences that, you know, I only obtained with experience in nurses. I could Dragon on Wounds is my first writing project ever. Uh, so, you know, Jesus. I was a completely amateur going into this. So, you know, mm-hmm. obviously there were some amateur related mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never been part of any of the Discord communities before doing this. It was mm-hmm. only when I was, you know, really gearing up to, to get going in the last, you know, week that I realized there was a million Discord communities out there that I was just not in touch with at all. Um, there's some editing and other related stuff that, you know, uh, I would probably go back and, and change. But for the most part, you know, I'm pretty happy with what I did. You know, I went in mm-hmm. with my eyes open, with my plans made, with the groundwork properly laid out. One stupid thing I did, I thought everyone went, you know, into Royal Road with a backlog of chapters at the very least, just a few ready to, you know, go so they could get to their busting schedule. No, but a lot of people nope. don't nope. go in with a backlog of chapters. Ready. Nope. They don't go in with a set. That just hold writing each chapter hoping they'll make their dead that yeah. was to me 
And and like again, it it really depends on what you want to do, right? If you want to actually kind of like see how far you can take this, then absolutely, please, please have a backlog, because if you don't, um, you're gonna have a bad time, like a really bad time, um, because hitting like life is so uh, unpredictable. You know, you get a flu or a cold or God help it, COVID, and suddenly you can't like write for a, for a week or even two. Uh, suddenly your backlog is like you're shrinking or you people are asking and you're dropping followers because people are like, well, the story's on hiatus, it's over. So yeah, you gotta be, gotta be on that. Um, yeah, there's, there's more questions about, you know, stuff like editing that I actually have because obviously you write a little bit faster than your backlog, hopefully. Um, but you don't. Okay. Wow. Then there's nothing gained, really. I mean, you're still trying to hit deadlines. <laughs> I I post three chapters a week and I write three chapters a week. So, you know, okay. but what it does is it takes the pressure and the stress off. You know, mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many weeks where I've got my first chapter done on Thursday and then, you mm -hmm. know, a second one on Saturday, third one on Sunday, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. the, I don't need to, you know, be stressing over, oh God, I'm missing my deadline. Mm. Let's me relax enough to hit the three chapters in a week. Awesome. Mm. Because I'm chill about it. You know, it's it's mm. sort of the old action that where, you know, by being stressed about it, you make it all worse. Well, yeah. you know, with the backlog, I'm not stressed about it. And as long as I hit the three in the week, it doesn't matter what days of the week I hit them on. Don't um, be stressed. And so Don't I be stressed at I personally work on a Monday to Sunday schedule where my mm. first, I start on Monday and I get the third chapter written by Sunday uh, evening. Mm -hmm. But because I post Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would have to, you know, kind of to knock off the first chapter in a single day every time otherwise. And mm -hmm. I, I can't do that. I rarely manage to uh, pull chapter done in a single day. Um, so... Yeah, like the, the backlog lets me relax. It lets me, mm. you know, be chill enough to do things. Like, and it also lets me edit to a high standard where I'm able to produce a much higher quality product than people who just, you know, throw throw their, their draft up onto Patreon, which Unless... does work for quite a lot of authors. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm not knocking people who work that way, but it does mm. work for me. I need the time to edit. It gives my beta readers enough time to tackle it on their mm -hmm. own schedule. So, you know, mm -hmm. I beta read for a couple other stories and, you know, there'll be a 4 a.m. ping of chapters up and then a 6 a.m. Okay, it's posted. And it's like, I was asleep. I'm sorry <laughs> I couldn't help you, but I was asleep during that time. When I watch enough backlog, it gives my beta readers almost an entire month to tackle things mm -hmm. before it goes up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, backlog even before Patreon. I, I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. And that lets me hit my Patreon mm. thing, and I started scheduling posts so my patrons know it is coming out at exactly the same time every time. Mm. Uh, and that's a relatively recent development, but I like it because it gives predictability. You know, yeah, the key to success, I find as well, or, or one of them, is you set expectations and you meet the expectations. Mm. And if you set them and you meet them and you communicate clearly what they are. People will like you. People will be happy. People, you know, will, you know, start cursing your name as being unreliable because there are why I, I don't want to name any names, but there are quite a lot of authors in the web serial community that are not very reliable. Uh, there are certain stories that I'm sure listeners can think of that I said they were really popular a few years ago and the author went on eternal hiatus. But every once in a while, they post a chapter, you know, once a year, get everyone's hopes up and then disappear again. And mm. Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. There is uh, a certain threads of... It's an amateur space. And so there is mm. some amateur behavior. And, you know, mm. that's sort of to be expected. Mm. But 
it also makes readers really skittish in a sense. Oh yeah, that I I totally see that. Yeah, that's a very good point. I was going to say that, like, hey, if they just want to do this and if they don't want to be successful, that's fine. But I completely agree with you that it has a ripple effect upon the wider community because people are more perceptive about stuff suddenly vanishing or they're more aware or more afraid of it, I guess. This is a very good point. It's more like they, they ex and it's like, mm. oh, you know, you can spend years building up a reputation. Mm. And once you've built up a reputation, I will say you can rarely drop the bull and, you know, people, and as long as it's communicated, people will understand. But, mm. you know, there's the famous question, it takes, you know, 10 years to build a reputation and 10 minutes to destroy it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in this particular, a lot of, a lot of readers are willing to, you know, uh, not really willing to trust authors for a long time until, you know, mm. they really prove themselves. In German, there's a wonderful idiom that translates roughly to once you have ruined your reputation, you can live like a god um, because you don't care about anything anymore. But um, I completely agree with you. If you want to do this professionally, yes. Um, and I actually wanted to kind of go into that because it's something I've heard a lot recently expectations and hitting them and, and presenting them. That is true in both your schedule. Sorry. Sorry. Both your schedule, but also in writing, right? What you promised me in the first two chapters, you better be delivering in the story. Max, I'm talking to myself here. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily the first few chapters, but the start of the book, yes. I mm. I famously hate, you know, uh, 30 chapters for the adventure to really begin when everything's, mm. you know, pretty much laying the groundwork for it. Mm -hmm. um, are you doing the How do you... But how do you keep people engaged for 30 chapters because well, i drop them because all I, start what what i dropped them all at the beginning and you know i was slowly unveiling the world's secrets but you know that's mm. how long it took for the main character to leave home and you mm. know get going but there was you know sort of adventures in her hometown and you know ah. you know people could clearly see the groundwork was being laid out in a way to you know make make things work and you know i was following mm -hmm. some rules of thumb on percentages uh and you know i knew percentage wise i was good with how long i had planned the story to be mm. but yeah i i know it's not for everyone but at the same time i also knew the space was towards binging and reading a lot and doing a lot of stuff you know i'm not I I don't write with an eye towards the publishing sphere. I write towards with an eye towards the web serial sphere. Hmm. And I just recently the, encountered or understood how different that is, because um, I personally don't think the stories that I want to tell are good for web serials, and I use Royal Road is it, like almost exclusively as a beta reader space. I want to give people a story. They can read it for free. And if they give me feedback, awesome. If not, that's also okay, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you're writing for web serial, you have to have some considerations that you don't have and vice versa. It's not so much that I'm writing towards web serial. It's more like web serial mm -hmm. is the right format for the way I want to tell the story. Awesome. A little, great. little bit of, mm -hmm. you know, which, which one goes first. Pretty cool. Yeah, chicken egg. <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay, well... That was that, um, talking about, you know, uh, one thing you would go back to and change, but there really isn't all that much. For, I always get two different answers, like one or two, one of the two. Like either it's like, oh, I would completely redo the first story or there isn't really all that much I would change or I've already changed it. But you mentioned that you went back and changed a lot of the first story. When did you do that and how did you fit that in into your schedule? So. Uh, I'm not sure when I did it. Um, it was more, nothing was, you know, particularly large scale changes. There were a lot of just sort of characterizations mm. and, you know, beefing it up, so to speak. Um, and I squeezed it into my end weeks, which is, you know, um. one week a month, I don't post the chapters and that gives me a pressure valve to patch up if I've missed anything 
to, mm-hmm. you know, edit things thoroughly to occasionally dabble in side projects. And the rewrite was a dabble in a side project, uh, mm-hmm. essentially, where, you know, I put the whole thing out because those are the only chapters that weren't beta read. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I dropped my initial things and that's when, you know, I dropped my initial 30 chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when people started, you know, coming along and, you know, someone, you know, one of my, you know, oldest fans and friends at this point, now beta readers, um, showed up and was like, hey, you know, I, you know, I've got question X and Y and Z, and this doesn't make any sense to me. And so basically that's when I started beta readers, but there's nothing on the early stuff. That was, you know, mm-hmm. pure, raw, just me, just my own editing and everything. Yeah. And I grew so much as a writer and I just wasn't quite happy with some of the beats of the story. And, you know, there were some recurring, you know, complaints. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I went in and I just tried to make it stronger to, you know, my current Mm -hmm. quality at the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I succeeded. Um, Just and just quietly re-uploaded it and moved on. Okay. Yeah. I can I, I can see that. It's, I think you were also at this point kind of successful already, right? So if you imagine you were a new author and you had written, let's say, the first two arcs of your story and it's already like you were already done with it and you did get some feedback or positive or negative on your first few chapters, would you push on, like considering that you still want to do web serial, right? So not talking about me here. Would you push on or would you kind of um, go back and redo the first chapters to make sure that the funnel is better. So the the rewrite spiral of death is a real thing, and I spent years avoiding rewriting the start because I didn't want to enter the rewrite spiral of death. There's there's mm. sort of a, the infamous, you know, when authors say I'm taking a pause and rewriting the start of my book, <laughs> I don't like it, or rewriting the entire yeah. thing because I'm not happy with it. Mm. Infamously, the story dies. Um, there's mm-hmm. only a very, very small example of successful rewrites. And for the most part, the story is yeah. the author's not going to finish. The author's not going to come back. The following drops off. It, mm. It's all bad all around. Um, the, the best advice I can give, you know, if you've written the first few arcs, because I had written the first three or four arcs by the time I was, you know, starting to post and getting the first feedback. Mm. I just kept going. I've had mm. going and it was only when I felt like I had a little bit of breathing room that I slowly start to rewrite the chapters in that breathing room I had um, mm. while maintaining my schedule, my my normal schedule. And, mm. you know, only when it was done that I was like, okay, let me just go back in, re-upload it, quietly mention, you know, in one line of an announcement that the story has been updated and rewritten. Mm-hmm. and carry on did you get beta feedback on the new beginning yes oh. actually and mm-hmm. that was where i got a lot of you know sort of the the, the big difference was i was able to ask my beta readers she had beta readers at last mm-hmm. to say hey guys here is the new you know opening arc can mm-hmm. i get your feedback on this please mm-hmm. and one of my big draws for beta readers is, frankly, you get the chapters much early and ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you get the chapters a month ahead of time and just give any feedback you've got on it. That's sort of the, the deal, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So when it's rewriting the early chapters, uh, I don't blame them at all. Most of the beta readers didn't want to read it because mm-hmm. it wasn't interesting to them because it wasn't something new. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I, you know, I can't blame them. You know, they're, they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart and their desire to read more chapters. So <laughs> please reread a bunch of chapters is not exactly enticing. So I only had, you know, one or two betas, you know, actually check it out. Um, yeah, please spot still, all the grammar mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's more than zero. And they were able to help me, you know, find some typos and some problems. And I hammered it all out and then released it. Awesome. Pretty dope. Okay. Right. We are nearing the end of the main part of the podcast already. <laughs> time flies, man. Really, I thought it was like 15 minutes, but now I'm looking at the time at like one hour eight. <laughs> so 
Why don't you tell me about one book that you love and why it, why it is awesome? So right now I am absolutely loving Super Supportive. Um, yeah. It is ranked number one on Royal Road for a reason. Uh, it yes. is incredibly good, incredibly well done. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm hyper aware that today is Wednesday and another chapter is coming out, you know, probably within the next 12 hours. And it's, you know, all I can do to stop going to my email and hitting refresh, 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 <laughs> see when the next chapter comes out. Uh, I cannot, cannot wait for the next chapter of that. Mm. I still haven't read that because I feel as though if, when I do, I will be crushed and never write again. <laughs> huh. yeah. Awesome. So tell me why it's awesome. I mean, if there are people who haven't read Super Supportive yet, is what I'm saying. So tell me why it's awesome. Convince me. So the people like it because of, you know, uh, and, and there's a piece of advice I got and, you know, something that sort of stuck in my mind is stories are emotional journeys mm -hmm. and super supportive when you strip away all of the, the settings trappings, which are done very well is an extremely well-written emotional journey. And I think that in the, at the end of the day, when you try to boil down all the other factors away, that is the one that makes it successful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could go on about the system and the characterizations and the people. So many other things, you know, when, when you boil it down to what is the, the bare essence, it's the emotions. Mm. And, and how well done they all are and how you can really feel what is happening and what is going on. Mm -hmm. So not having read it, this allows me to ask some really noobish questions and I'm sure people will stone me to death for it. Maybe, hopefully, please don't. Um, does the system itself support the emotional journey? And if so, how? Uh, yes. And it would be a lot of spoilers to tell you how. So I'm okay, from the tell. Um, the answer is yes, but the the details are all extreme spoilers, especially for some of the really big parts. Because I've talked with the author directly about a few different things uh, about the story. Um, so mouth is shut. Yeah, I'm, I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wanted to ask Slyka to come onto the podcast. And if they ever open their, uh, their, uh, their DMs on Royal Road, maybe they'll see it, but maybe not. Um, so. D DM them on Patreon, you know, spend the money, DM them on Patreon. <laughs> they might answer. Cool. Yeah, super supportive. That sounds like, well, super. I, I, I keep meaning to read it, but uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm reading um, Fire and Song the next Warform book. I, I subscribe to that well. Patreon, so I'm not, you know, busy reading it at this stage. I already read it. <laughs> it's I'm so sure, well done. I'm sure um, missing some things with the, uh, you know, because uh, I, I read the, basically the first draft unedited version, so, you know, I'm missing the epigraphs and what have you. It shows that they just, they really take a lot like a crap ton of time to edit this thing you can you can totally see it because you got you get it by contrast right character interactions are just a little more, more intertwined they feel more natural the story flows really smoothly with all the edges sanded off that stuff that you can't do in a first draft like if that's a first draft i'm just gonna quit because it's really really good so, you know, I, as I said, I try to have a, a long editing process even before my yes. Patreon's get. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say one of the, the hallmarks I've noticed of successful serial writers is mm -hmm. they do write extremely clean first drafts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where they, they manage to get something very close to, to the right beats the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. Very rarely are they editing and re-editing and going over things again and again. Mm. Um, because there's not the time in the sphere to make that happen and work. Yeah, unfortunately, which I think sometimes is is to their detriment. Um, I mean, I'm, I like editing. I really do love editing. Um, maybe a bit too much, but um, sometimes I really wish that 
people would take more time to edit. But I actually want to ask you about that. Um, but you know what? I'm going to ask you that in the bonus material. The question is going to be um, how your editing process looks like. I mean, you've, you've touched upon it a little bit more uh, already, but I kind of want to like dig more into that. But before we get into that, do you have shout outs that you want to make? Oh, I always have an absolute million of them. Um, and you know, you, you mentioned the Mango Media thing. So I am conflicted on a couple of my shout outs because... Uh, I would still love to have yeah, you on I'm, as a publisher. I'm, I'm making my disclaimer so people know that I have an interest in some of the stories I am shouting out and some of the authors awesome. I'm shouting out. Awesome. Because, you know, Mango Media is partly to, you know, help me publish the stories I really like. And mm -hmm. that also includes my friend's stories that I really mm -hmm. like. And I say, hey, can I go publish this for you? You know, and, you know, the two of us, you know, come to an agreement. And so, you know, Raven's Dagger, for example, I am publishing a good number of his stories. So this yeah. stuff I shout out, you know, I have a somewhat of a conflict of interest in it. And I want to make sure people know it. Um, mm -hmm. Stray Cat Strunk, for example, is one of his stories. I'm not publishing that one. Really enjoy it. I know he's working very hard to get it on popular this week. It should be there. And, you know, I suspect the moment he gets it on there, uh, the better I'll do. Um, I'm subscribed to Void Herald's, you know, Patreon for mm. both of his stories, Blood and Fur mm -hmm. and Commerce Emperor. Yeah. Not a good idea, you know, just mentioning what stories I'm, you know, putting my, my money. Uh, I'm subscribed to Mark of the Fool. Uh, I'm mixed mm -hmm. forward to, uh, subscribe to uh, Industrial Strength Magic. Mm. Uh, I've never heard about that one. What's, what's that one? Industrial Strength Magic is by Necronomicon. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a superhero world where a guy sort of has both superhero and magic powers because what? Well, there's also mages that show up from a... It's complicated. He's, he sort of has magic powers, but he, he doesn't actually have magic powers. But what he's what? figured out is how to make machines sort of cast magic in a sense. Oh, wow. Where he's cool. figured out, you know, what is the bare minimum of brain neurons that need to be stimulated in a certain way from, you know, a petri dish grown mm. octopus or something. So oh you sort of integrate magic and technology together that way and does magic sort of on an industrial scale, hence the title industrial strength magic. Um, we should, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, it's got, yep. you know, basically most of the superhero trappings and, you know, this guy's doing some superhero stuff as a tinkerer mm -hmm. and, you know, magic stuff. So it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that. Um, I read most of the big stories. Uh, there's Ultimate Level 1 that I've just started reading. Oh, um, yeah. That small story. <laughs> uh, Death Healer, I'm a big fan of because it was you know inspired by Dragon and Moons, among other things. So nice. you can really see the inspiration in there. So, you know, I'm, the I'm enjoying mm -hmm. that one. Um, it's actually how popular this week. Oh, Death Healer. Um, Whoa, actually, really? Wow. In second place right now. It's it's really just jumped right up there. I am in awe and also jealous. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, of course. There's you know, I'm a changeling by Mechademius, which is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm you know rabbit at the mouth for the next chapter. Um, yeah, I read a lot of stories and I like a lot of them. There's the Neil Beware of Chicken Side story, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, which, you know, has uh, a million double entendres all over the place. <laughs> the the blurb. The blurb is so good. The blurb is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in and reading along. Um, uh, I can't wait for the next Stargazer's War to come out, for example. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Which, you know, it's extremely well written by the amazing Nixia. Um, Simon mm -hmm. Lou always has some new trauma to read. You know, oh, yeah. You know, Rhaegar, who wrote Azard Healer, which is, you know, the yes. big inspiration for Dragon Eye Moods, you know, has mm -hmm. Infrasound Berserker out and about yes. you know, quietly posting chapters out. I take my advice of read a lot, write a lot seriously, where, you know, I try to read whenever I'm not writing, whenever mm. I've got a spare minute. Uh, mm. Right now on my phone, I'm also making my way through Shadow Slave, uh, oh, which cool. is 
interesting beats and plots. Um, web serial, but not a Royal Road one. Yep. I've um, heard that mentioned a lot. Um, people, yeah, it's it's a, it's on a web novel. <sighs> but yeah. And like yeah, this that's... is my my mandatory my mandatory disclaimer. Uh, we do not support web novel in here because web novel is has quite predatory contracts. So don't. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Saki, thank you so much for this podcast. We are going to keep going because I have more questions about editing and and all that kind of stuff, and also about how you keep up your reading speed and your writing speed and how you keep it separate. But we are going to talk about that, well, after the main show is over. If you want to listen to that, dear listener, then you can please subscribe to Patreon. Um, also, do like and subscribe and follow and all that stuff. It really helps me, and you get notified whenever a new podcast is out, usually every Sunday, 12 o'clock German Standard Time. Um, Saki, any last words before we move on? No, that's all. Okay. Awesome. Well, in that case, thank you so much. 